What the heck is up, everybody? This is Untitled. We are back. Today is Monday, December 4th. We had a big weekend, ladies and gentlemen. College football championships have been concluded. We know the winner of every single conference. We have the college football playoff rankings. We had a great week in the NFL as well. We have a lot of other topics I want to discuss today. And who better to do it than some very, very dear friends of mine? We got Joe McKibben and Jared Swanson, two Luther friends of my own. How you doing today, boys? Doing great, T-Rav. Thanks for having us on the show. Yeah, appreciate it, T-Rav. I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Yeah, so uh, Jared, Joe, we got some Viking fans in, fellow friends of mine from around the Minnesota area, and we are ready to talk. A lot happened over the weekend. I want to start off the field, and I want to bring up a couple big things just for the people today. Joe, Jared, did you know that Subway did, did one of the greatest things in the world this past week? They added a foot-long cookie that is going to be added to the menu early 2024. I did see that, and you know, that's something that I'm going to have to... Uh have to dabble with a little bit because I've always been a huge fan of the Subway cookies. I don't think they get enough enough credit, honestly. The the white macadamia nut cookie from Subway is is elite. So really looking forward to trying that. Yeah, I'm gonna be uh, be honest here. I'm I'm just a spectator of the cookie sport. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I won't be dabbling in that, but uh, I'll watch some people get after it. Not enough of a sweet tooth, Jared? You know, a foot-long cookie is a bit much. That would take me about a week to eat. Um, I'm more of a brownie guy. You know what? That is a pretty big cookie, but uh, sometimes you, people go to Costco to buy in bulk, Jared. So why not just go to your local Subway and do the same thing? Put You're that not baby in a freezer or put it in the, the fridge for a little while. Let it stay for a little while and... Enjoy a nice sandwich, too. I'm a big sandwich guy. I love – I always get the chicken bacon ranch there, but I can branch out a little bit if I need to take mm. a couple more trips to get more foot-long cookies. I'm a mm. big white macadamia cookie guy, too. Heck, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always get um, so much shit from everyone when I when I tell people that I don't like sandwiches. Um, Red flag. Especially at work. <laughs> like, when we get catered – catered lunch and it's jimmy john's like i'm that's when i know it's just about to be the worst day ever but. what's what is it the bread the meats the cheeses pretty much all of it i mean i mean uh on top of just vegetables which i don't really see a point in eating um <laughs> <laughs> just the the cold slimy sandwich meats just aren't for me you know if i'm gonna have a sandwich it needs to be like uh, a pulled pork or like uh I can do a chicken bacon ranch, but just cold turkey on a bun, just, it's not it. Okay, what about hot ham and cheese? Are you into warmer toasted sandwiches? Because that, that's kind of the same thing, just a different temperature. Yeah, I can do warm sandwiches, but I don't know. Once you get that, once you start slicing that meat, you know, real thin, and it's not hot with melted cheese on it, I just can't do it. Mm. There's nothing like it. I actually think sandwiches are some of my favorite things. It's, it doesn't go in my top four of food categories just because it's so standard, but there's nothing I eat more often 
than lunch meat sandwich. If I could pack it every day for lunch, I would, but right now it's soup season. So I'm just devouring the Campbell's chunky grocery store rack. I am loaded up for the next two weeks. It's what I call dieting because it's less food. So it's a cheat code. Hell yeah, Trevor, you love that. One more thing I wanted to discuss real quick that's a little pop culture related. Dua Lipa is having one of the biggest weeks I've seen in a little while. Dua Lipa not only is newly single as of today, she's also in the past week become the global ambassador for Porsche, one of the highest quality of cars out there. What do you think, Joe? Well... I'm not too invested in um, Dua Lipa's life. I know she's got some. Um, she's produced some some bangers over the Houdini. past year or two. Been listening um, to Houdini, yeah. And she's not. She's definitely not unattractive. So her being single is, I'm sure, massive news to a lot of a lot of single people, unlike myself. Um, so yeah, really happy for her. That um, and really happy for whoever ends up being in a, a relationship with her next. I just got two comments about Dua Lipa. The first thing is, I hope she knows she's too old for Leonardo DiCaprio. She's a little bit under twenty. She's not under twenty-three, is essentially what that means. Um, <laughs> the second thing is, she's upgraded pretty heavy since Jack Harlow's uh, the fallout with them. Jack Harlow's starting to slide a little bit. I was just talking shit about a week or two ago on the podcast, and you know, not too far after, Dua Lipa's having a little bit more of a glow up. So I, I had to shout out Dua Lipa. Big news today. Big news this week. Porsche is a good car. Makes me want to buy one. I saw some clips from Jack Harlow's, uh, is it a new music video that he came out with? And it was getting kind of a lot of, a lot of heat on, on Twitter. Um, yeah, a lot of people were saying he's gone downhill a bit. But what were they saying? I think I know what one you're talking about. It's essentially where they're just dancing, right? Just doing exactly. like slow back and forth two steps. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was garbage, really. I mean, I've never been a huge fan of him, but like, and I feel like all of his songs kind of sound the same to some extent. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind him. I like his songs. I thought his halftime show was awful, though. It was like historically bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, Jared, do you got any more takes on the matter? Should I? Uh get into a little bit of football because we had a big night last night. Yeah, um, not much to add here. Let's just uh, get into football. All right, boys, we need to talk about this first. I'm going to talk about the Vikings here in a second, but my Packers had a fantastic night. I slept so well. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of topics that came out of that game, and so we might as well state the obvious first. We had a wild last two minutes of that football game between the Chiefs and the Packers. Packers, of course, won the game, and I am happy, and we are now in the playoff picture right now. We have the tiebreaker over the Rams, and we are sitting in the seven spot if the playoffs were to start today. Far exceeding my expectations going into the season. But I, you know, I talked to Gage. Gage was uh, just on the podcast a couple weeks back, and he was heartbroken. I'm not going to lie. Um... There was a couple things that happened in just the last two minutes. We had the Patrick Mahomes unnecessary roughness, which is 
debatable uh, both ways. And then right afterwards, there was the uh, melee between Pacheo and uh, a Packer defender and I think it was like a D-back. Right after that, there was Marquez Valdez-Scantling catching the ball. They, they didn't stop it. They called him out of bounds, even though his forward progress was stopped. And then we have the big one, the one everybody's talking about on ESPN. Uh, what was it? Was it Carrington Valentine went for a little piggyback ride with Marquez Valdez-Scantling over by the five-yard line? So defensive PI, there's a little bit of discussion about whether the last play of the game, too, to Travis Kelsey was a PI as well. I don't think that one was, but let's state the obvious. There was a, there, there probably should have been a penalty on that one defensive pass interference. All right, Jared, I'll give it to you. What do you think? Yeah, um, I'll just say this. You know, the Packers outplayed the Chiefs. I think they looked like the better team regardless, and they probably should have won that game. Now, when you start talking about the last two minutes of the game, uh, yeah, there's calls that could have went both ways. The Mahomes call, you know, that was clean. I don't think that was a flag. He was inbounds. Um, the MVS moving up backwards towards out of bounds, it was, I saw it as lateral. I think it could have gone either way. Um, and then, yeah, the PI that was not called on MVS, that was pretty clear and obvious. If I'm pretty sure if they went back and looked at the replay, they'd call it. Um, and then the last one, you know, there's a slight push, but everyone's, it's a dog pile in the end zone. You know, I, I think that's fine to not call that. Um, I'm just really hoping Jordan Love is not the answer. You know, we've had to deal, as Vikings fans, we've had to deal with a lot of Hall of Fame talent over in Green Bay at QB. So um, I'm kind of hoping that doesn't pan out, but he looked good. Joe, what are you thinking? Well, First of all, got to give a lot of respect to, to the Packers. I mean, like Jared said, um, Green Bay just looked like the better team last night. And it was shocking to see Jordan Love outplay Patrick Mahomes. And it wasn't even close, really. Um, and sitting over here as a Vikings fan, it's somewhat concerning that the possibility of Jordan Love turning into the next Patrick Mahomes is becoming more and more likely each week. It seems like he's just been balling. Um, but, yeah, as far as that game last night, I mean, I feel like the officiating, especially on pass interference calls lately, has has really gotten a lot of attention. Um, and I feel like I don't know what the NFL can do, but that call last night definitely would have given the Chiefs first and goal inside the 10 yard line. And we probably would have been looking at overtime, which I would have loved to see, but Mm, hold up. Remember that they would have had to score the touchdown and the extra point though. Um, We'd like to think and remember that the chiefs tried to go for two earlier in the game and got stuffed. So, and Pacheo, Pacheo was out. He had the melee hit and they could no longer rely on scoring with him. Obviously they have Kelsey that can run some creative route and they might be due for an extra point. But I mean, let's, let's not overstate that. Let's not just assume it would have went to overtime if they did get that call. True. Well, that's a good point. But I mean, the NFC North is now looking a lot more interesting with both Green Bay and the Vikings sitting at 
six and six, I believe. Mm-hmm. Both of them, yeah. Uh, all right, I'm going to ask you guys this then because it kind of got brought over the Vikings a little bit. I'm not going to overreact about the Packers. I told Gage this morning because I had to console him because I was I got on him a little bit yesterday. However, Packers' expectations going into the year was nothing. The fact that we are even looking at a playoff spot and Jordan Love is having this success this early, which Aaron Rodgers nor Brett Favre really had this much success in their first season. It's impressive. I do not expect to touch the Eagles nor the Niners in the playoffs. However, just the fact of getting in, that is a big boost to morale. That is going to get all these young guys trending in the right direction, and hopefully we do something like the Lions did this offseason. Enough about the Packers. We talked about them enough. We have some Viking fans, so I need to pick your brain a little bit. We are just coming off a bye week, and now you had some time to reflect on that Monday night football extravaganza we were able to see uh, about a week and a half back. Now, that was horrific football. I'm sorry to tell you that. That was just my thoughts on the matter. Dobbs, he had a tough game. Do you guys still believe in him? Well, Jared, we'll start with you. Yeah, I wouldn't say the belief was there to begin with. Um, He's... You know, he's proven he can be in the league, but he's proven that he's also not capable of, you know, producing a high-powered offense consistently. Um, you know, thoughts going into the season, high hopes. You know, we, we've dealt with quite a quite some big injuries, I would say. You know, losing our best player, losing our quarterback, and then bringing in Dobbs. I'd say he's filled in nice. Um, I also think there's a lot of other guys that could do what he's doing. Um, he has his moments and yeah, touching on that Monday night game, you know, we played bad all around on the offensive side. You know, we dropped balls, Dobbs made some bad reads, but you know, that was probably the worst game of the year. And that's, you know, my thoughts moving forward. Um, you know, if we can sneak into the playoffs, you know, maybe we win a game, but same with the Packers on your thoughts, you know, we're not touching the Eagles, Niners or, or Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I still believe that we can beat anybody on any given day. Um, and I was fully on board the Josh Dobbs hype train before last week, which is just really too bad because I feel like, especially in that Monday night game, he wasn't he wasn't using his legs as much, um, which I felt like really kind of slowed down our offense because in the games that we won with him as a starter – he had some big-time runs um, that kept drives alive and also got us into the end zone. Um, but with Jefferson coming back, it'll be interesting to see what the Vikings do at the quarterback position. I honestly think we should give Jaron Hall a shot, the rookie out of UAU. Because um, Jaron Hall, I believe he played one possession or maybe like half the first quarter in his yeah. first start um, before jo- Josh Dobbs took over and he looked he looked really well he looked really good he looked super comfortable in the pocket and was slinging the ball around the field so I still have I still have some faith in this team yeah so Hall's back we're looking at next game right now and I haven't been reading the reports what what the Vikings are even saying Uh, have they made a decision and who would you put on that field then would you put Hall in right away or are you giving Dobbs a little bit more chance because remember this guy Gave you guys hope for a little while, and 
I thought, I mean, I disagree with you, Jared. I thought there was a whole lot of hype and belief in this guy because everybody knew he was a bridge quarterback. He wasn't a solution, but boy, did he seem like a, a whole lot of excitement for a team that just lost a, let's be honest, he was having an MVP type year before he got hurt. Jared, you can take this one. What do you think? Should we start, should we start Dobbs next week? Yeah, I think we put Dobbs back out there. I mean, one bad game, you know, that doesn't define who he is. Um, but, again, if, if we come out slow and we're not producing offense, especially with our best player back in the lineup, um, you know, then we should probably lean towards Jared Hall. I mean, there's still hope for the Vikes this year, let's be real. But I don't see us winning anything significant. Um at this point, let the let the young gun go, you know, see what he's about. If he plays well, great. If he doesn't, you know, at least we know where we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been um, also somewhat frustrating to see uh, the, the turnaround that our defense has had this year because compared to last year, we were the worst defense in the league or, or damn near if we weren't dead last. And so just to think if if we still had had Kirk Cousins and Jefferson had been healthy all this all this time and with our defense playing the way they've been playing, then I would still then I would think we'd be sitting a lot better in the standings and I'd have a lot better feeling about this team going in the playoffs. Yeah, there was a handful of games that I mean, you guys came out the you came out in the season and it was a little shocking because there's a little bit of uh, troubles in the record books, but you guys were in every game and you can tell that the defense has been improving throughout the year. It's been interesting. You guys are statistically a very good under team, which usually represents pretty solid defense. I mean, Vegas doesn't know everything, but Vegas is probably telling us you guys on average are doing much better defensively than expected. So that's, that's definitely an improvement on a team that has been mostly an offensive weapon throughout the last couple of years. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it will be interesting. Do, what are you guys' expectations through the rest of the year? Are you guys thinking playoffs? Are you just kind of thinking? Honestly, are you in draft pick mode? If depending on how this game goes. Yeah, Joe, you can take this one. Sure. Um. Well, I think looking at the schedule. Um, I know we've got to play the Lions twice, and I don't—I really don't like our chances in either of those games. Even if we're, even if we're at home, I think we lost to the Lions uh, at home last year. And then, I think week 17 or 18, I, yeah, week 17, I think we got to go play the Packers in Green Bay, and the Vikings never have success. Um, uh, you guys are. You guys are at home. I did go to the Green Bay Viking game at uh, Lambeau. So you guys at least have home field advantage in that game. Okay, so that'll be a win then. Um, but then uh, other than that, I'm trying to think, what's the rest of our schedule look like, Jared? Well, we got the Raiders next week. And did you mention the Bears? We got to play the Bears again. <laughs> you guys get to play the Bears. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Raiders, let's Raiders are doing a little something right now. They got a little bit of energy that we weren't seeing beginning of this year. But let's 
let's be honest, you guys lose that game somehow. Does your whole stance on the season change a little bit, or is that overreacting a little bit? Yeah, yeah, no, I would say my stance on the season is let's see what we can do. I mean, we're already in a position where a draft, a high draft pick is pretty much, I mean, it's not going to happen. There's, we're going to play to to win, I think, the rest of the year. Um, And my stance, uh, if we go out and lose to Vegas, um, you know, we'll be lucky to sneak into the playoffs just because, yeah, we do play the Lions twice, the Packers, the Bears, and is that it? No, no, we play the Bengals. I don't know if we play the Bears again. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you play the Bengals somewhere. And remember, this isn't the Bengals team that was there right. at the beginning of the year. You, they're Joe Burrowless, And, yes, it's one player, but, mm-hmm. I mean, look at the committee of college football. They think a quarterback mm-hmm. goes a whole lot way into swaying how good you perform. So, yeah, all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. I got one more quick thing NFL-related. We got the Jets. They played a very brutal game. That was a hard watch. It was part of uh, the Gamers parlay over the weekend, and it's the only leg that missed. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with the Gamers. So they'll treat us well. It's, it's inevitable. Next week's the best week. However, the Jets don't look good. I mean, when you go to Simeon, uh, and who's that other guy? Uh, Boyd, right? Boyd? Boyle. Boyle. Yeah, I can't even name their names anymore. You know there's a problem offensively if you go back to them. And now I think there's murmurs that they're thinking about unbenching. So I don't know what's going on there. However, they are now looking at about, I think they're four wins right now. Four and eight, if I remember right. And now we have murmurs that Aaron Rodgers might come back. At this point, do we just for shouldn't you just scratch that? I mean, this is a forty-year-old man coming off an Achilles injury. Is it worth it to come back this year? I really don't think so. Um, I think this, yeah, this season just a total loss for for Jets fans. I mean, I really think. Aaron Rodgers is pushing it. I mean, uh, clearly he's got a great staff of, of trainers around him and he's going to come back when he's ready. But I don't think anyone's ever came back from an Achilles injury this quickly. And it would just be the worst, I mean, the worst decision possible for him to go back out there and re-injure himself. And then his career is 100% over. Um, yeah. So I think, I think they go with Zach Wilson or – whoever they think their best option is. But I also saw a tweet today that, you know, the the Jets are thinking about starting Zach Wilson. And then apparently Zach Wilson said that he isn't ready or he doesn't agree with the coaching staff that um, starting him is the right move. Yeah, that is – I think I heard that too. I wasn't able to read the tweet, but I thought when I was listening on ESPN while I was at work, I thought that's what I heard, and it made me double-take because usually people aren't saying, no, I don't think you should start me. That is a backup move, more of a, well, you know, I don't think I'm ready, coach. Let's start the third string. This is who we thought was going to be the future of the New York Jets just a little bit ago. So weird moment. I don't know what's going on there. I don't think anybody knows what's going on in New York, nor the organization after that. But people thought Aaron Rodgers coming here is going to give him a good couple uh, imme- couple years of immediate success, followed by potentially 
I don't want to say breeding, but uh, giving off knowledge to the youth, you know, kind of mentoring and putting Zach Wilson in the right way. But we're not seeing a whole lot of that. And I think forcing Aaron's hand at this, this season that already might be lost, that might just be too brutal for an old man. And I get it. He's, he's impressive. What Aaron does and what Aaron's been doing during this recovery is just phenomenal. And it's, it, you just can't do it. It's, it just doesn't seem right because mm-hmm. you you could lose two years by forcing a, like a couple games. Yeah. It's interesting thinking about the Jets just really shows how valuable the quarterback is in the NFL. Because, I mean, they still got, I mean, one of the best defenses in the league. They've got some really good young receivers and also some veterans like Randall Cobb. Um Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, I feel like the running back position is one of their weaknesses there, but I don't know. I feel like I, everyone was expecting the Jets to be uh, Super Bowl contenders this year, and then all that just goes down the drain when you lose one player. So, yeah, got a feel for Jets fans. A lot of it definitely might be leadership, too. I think Aaron was expected to be the leader. I mean, he's not even around the facilities that much when he's trying to work on rehab all day, too. So they Zach Wilson isn't a leader. He's too young, and I think, honestly, at this point, we can probably all agree he might be too immature for the role, too. So, I mean, what are you going to do? You need somebody to lead this team. Otherwise, everybody's just going to be like, I, what am I playing for, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I'm – I'm not going to be too mean to Jets fans today. The one thing I will say is it's the defense is impressive. It, there's nothing like it right now. They're doing the same thing they did last year, and they almost might be doing it better. You know, that was a brutal game to watch as a casual football fan myself with no dog in the fight. But the one thing they can say is two of the points. They only scored eight points, two field goals and a safety. But that safety, you know, that's growth. And the other thing Jets fans can say coming into this week is, hey, you know, uh, we didn't play the worst viewed game in the NFL this past week because that belongs to the Los Angeles Chargers. And uh, who was it? Uh, The Patriots. Yeah. God bless anybody that watched that God awful game. Horrible. I watched the whole thing. Oh, bless your heart, Joe. Man, was that tough. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I did go against Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler in fantasy football, so that made me happy. Hey, that's a win. Oh, yeah. All right, boys. Anything else you wanted to bring up about the NFL? Otherwise, I might transition and reveal the bowl season people's top ten, and then uh, we'll talk a little college football. No, Trav, I'll add – I'll add one thing real quick. Um, talking back to Aaron Rodgers, yeah, I think you should probably keep him on the bench the rest of the year. Although, at this point, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to try and prove a point. I would not be shocked to see him back on the field. I think it's a mistake, but I think he's going to try and prove a point. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is an ultimate competitor, and I know that because he was the quarterback of my favorite team for many years. He's a stubborn guy, though. He really is. And if he's going to let it be known that uh, he's going to do it his way. And if his way is to try to force his way back in and have this miraculous recovery that we're all talking about, 
years from now. I mean, so be it. We just hope that he's able to be actually 100% because there are people that don't recover from an Achilles tear, much less 40-year-old men. So I don't know what he's taken, but hopefully it's the good stuff. So we'll stay tuned to that. All right, guys, let's transition over to a little college football for a little bit of time. And before we get started on the hot topics of the college football playoff rankings and bowl season that just came in, Ladies and gentlemen, we have the second-to-last People's Top Ten poll of the year. It has been a fun season. It has been a long season for some teams, but we are ready to congratulate and reward the teams that have been most successful in different criteria. So we've been listening to the people this whole week. Hell, we've been listening to the people this whole season, and I am happy to present the College Football People's Top Ten Bowl Season Edition. All right. At number 10, we have the Buckeyes out of Ohio State, 9-3 and three at the under. They uh, are playing Missouri in the Cotton Bowl. That's over in Dallas. So we got a fun game going on in Dallas for bowl season. They did not play last week as they were not in the Big Ten Championship. At number 9, we have the real Aggies. I am, of course, talking about the New Mexico State Aggies. They are 10-3-1 at the spread. They lost to Liberty in the Conference USA Championship game. They lost 35-49 to 49 as 10-point underdogs. So they did not cover. They dropped a little bit in the people's top 10. But we wish them luck against Fresno State in the New Mexico Bowl. Not going too far. That one's over in Albuquerque. At number 8, we have the Running Rebels. The UNLV Running Rebels, 10-3 at the spread. They lost to Boise State 20-44, two-point underdogs in that game. They, too, did not cover. However, they dropped a little bit, but they uh, rewarded, and we've been listening. They've had an impressive season so far. They are going and facing the Jayhawks, Kansas, over in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. That one's over in Phoenix. At number seven, we have the Real Miami. I am talking about Miami of Ohio, 10-3 at the spread. They beat Toledo 23-14 as six-point underdogs. In the bowl season, they are facing Appalachian State in the Cure Bowl. That's over in, Atlanta, or in Orlando. Number nine, little West Coast, Best Coast action. We got UCLA 11-2 at the under. They face Boise State in the L.A. Bowl. That, of course, is in Los Angeles. At number five, some people talking about the red wave with the election season coming up. Some people talking about the blue wave. Over in the people's top ten, we're just talking about the green wave, baby. Tulane, number five in this week's poll. They are 11-2 and two at the under. They lost to Southern Methodist University 14-26. to 26. However... They went under 47 and a half points. Congratulations to the boys in the American Athletic Conference. They go and face Virginia Tech in the Military Bowl. That's over in Annapolis, Maryland. Number four, we have the historic Hawkeyes, University of Iowa. We got 11 and 2 at the under. They lost 26 to 0 to Michigan, but they went under 36 points. 
In the bowl season, they are facing Tennessee in the Cheez-It Bowl. That one's also over in Orlando. Number three, we got the Tigers over in Memphis. They are 10-2 and two at the over. They face Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl. That is over in Memphis. I might be saying that that's a little too close to home for the Tigers. At number two, we have the Wildcats out of Arizona. 10-2 at the spread. They face Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. That is over in, uh, help me out, uh, San Antonio, Texas. And at the one spot, going into bowl seasons, ladies and gentlemen, we have Louisiana State University, 11-1 at the over. They face Wisconsin in the ReliaQuest Bowl over in Tampa, Florida. We listened. The board approved. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the college football people's top 10 going into the bowl season. All right, boys. Lot of murmurs went on this past weekend. In fact, Sunday in particular, we were re- we were able to receive the latest college football playoff rankings. Of course, everybody could see that we have the two matchups now locked with the top four. The biggest news coming out of that, we have the first ever unbeaten Pat Power Five school that was left out of the playoffs. That, of course, is the Seminoles out of Florida State. All right, Jared, what did you think about leaving Florida State out of the playoffs? Yeah, um, I think it's a tough look for the committee. Um, you know, they what else can they do? I mean, they didn't lose a game. They had a perfect season, technically. Um, but from a viewership, watching Alabama, watching Florida State these last couple weeks, it it's clear to me that Alabama is the better team. I mean, they just went out and pretty much stomped Georgia, which we haven't seen in three years. So I am a fan of putting Bama ahead of them. It's just as the committee now, it's going to be seen as a negative. Like they don't know what they're doing. They're kind of just, it's only their opinion that matters. Um, So I get where the hate's coming from, but I like the decision to put Bama in. So do you think they got all four teams correct? I do. Including Texas? Okay. Now, there was some murmurs. Uh, There's a lot of people out there that just love the SEC, and they're talking about how can we squeeze Georgia in because that's another big thing that's never happened. There were three possible scenarios, and we just could not fit all of them. Number one that's never happened in the college football playoffs is obviously Florida State's situation where an unbeaten Power 5 champion doesn't make the playoffs. Florida State was the one that bit the, bit the bullet on it. The other one that also didn't happen that wasn't talked about quite as much is there's never been a number one team in the ranking that dropped all the way out of the playoffs. So in this instance, Georgia, despite having a pretty, pretty good season, They had to get pulled out because there was too many unbeaten teams. In fact, one unbeaten team that just couldn't make it themselves. And so we we were able to pull in the SEC champion, but at the fate of two things that have historically never happened. So like you were saying, I do agree with this decision to go on. Somebody was going to have to bite the bullet. Florida State, Vegas, in fact, was saying that there was one team that was 
nine and a half point, uh, only nine and a half point favorites if they were hypothetically to match up. Basically, most people were seeing through the eye test that Florida State was just not ready to compete with anybody else that was going to be in the playoffs, all due to their quarterback not, you know, basically getting hurt. And you feel for them because I do think that I'd rather see Alabama in the playoffs than Florida State because essentially in my head, somebody's getting a bye, right? I hope it's Texas because they made it, but honestly, it might have been Washington. And then people just keep thinking, well, if Alabama was in there, you know, the undefeated champion of the SEC over this year, which has been historically the best conference in football, how can you leave them out? They're too good. One of them's also peaking at the right time, whereas Florida State seems to just be surviving. So do we go with recency effect? Do we go with this team literally just looks like a better competitor that would be able to compete and potentially even win the playoffs? Or do we just go with the team that has been able to survive, probably going to get beaten up, essentially putting in a since an undefeated Cincinnati like we did a couple years back just to get stopped by an SEC school. So that was a tough decision. And I do not envy the committee to have to make that decision. But I think overall, there were a wider population of people that were much happier putting Alabama in versus a Florida state because they would be able to watch a better football game. So, yeah, I think, um, I think I agree with most of the things you guys said. Um, I'm not too uh, involved in, in the college football scene. I do think it is, it is the right decision to leave Florida state out of the playoff. Um, like Jared was saying, just from a, a viewership perspective, I mean, going in with your, I think it would be their third string quarterback that would be starting in a playoff game if they were selected. And I don't think they would stand a chance against, against a Michigan team. Um, and then Georgia, I really don't believe that Georgia should have been left out of the playoffs. I mean, you're talking about the back-to-back national champions, a team that had, a winning streak going for over two seasons. And then I know Jared said that Alabama just dominated Georgia on Saturday, but it was a three-point game. So, I mean, uh-huh. win 20-plus straight football games and then barely lose to a really good Alabama team. I mean, they were the clear number one team all season, and then just a, a three-point loss takes them out of it. I don't think, I don't think that's um, – how the committee should have made their decision, but yeah, entertaining playoff either way. It will. I I think that they pick correctly. Everybody has a different opinion and the Seminoles by far have a different opinion than I think the majority of people out there. Uh, The one thing I will say in the Seminoles defense is that uh, they did have their third string playing for the championship game over in the ACC. However, they would have Tate Rotemaker back by the time the playoffs hit. So they would technically be back to their second string progress, right? However, we've been able to see both of them play. The one thing I will say is it it felt bad because that defense was very good. They have some first round players on that Florida State defense, and that's why they kept winning despite having a a broken offense or at least a, uh, a wounded offense. You feel bad because they did do everything right. Like Jared, like Jared said, however, 
you know, if you guys looked at it yesterday, Jordan Travis, the basically the sole reason why the committee chose to go against Florida State in the playoffs. He tweeted out that he went. This is this is a sad thing to hear because he literally said, "I wish that I got hurt earlier in the year so you guys could see how good this team is." And that that you know that shows a lot of leadership. That that guy, you can just see how heartbroken he is because. He was a team player. I've been following him for I, – I was actually interested in him last year. They made a little bit of noise in the people's top ten last year. I thought they had some hype. They were actually my future for the ACC to win the conference, so they ended up hitting that despite not having their starting quarterback and in the championship not having their backup. So this is an incredible team, and you just hope that they're able to keep – a good chunk of their players to play one last time all together so they can compete against, I think it's Georgia in a fun game, because I think there's going to be a lot of opt outs between those two teams where what should be a very fun game, all of a sudden you're not seeing half of their best players playing in the game. So I'd love, I'd love to see Florida state not only compete, but somehow win that game that that would really be a kick in the ass to the committee right there even though we're already starting to see Georgia players opt out. And unfortunately, we're seeing some people even hit the portal, uh, especially Ohio State. They had a big day in the portal, and it's only Monday after selection sat Sunday. So, I mean, it, it's there's so much happening right now. I, I got a lot to say. I, I don't want to hog the mic on this. Do you guys got anything else to say? Because I have a couple more thoughts otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I know everyone's been saying this, but um, just really goes to show you how desperately we need it to expand the college football playoffs. The fact that it's gone on for this long um, as a four-team playoff is, is ridiculous. None of that makes any sense. Um, but I also wanted to maybe briefly mention something that Jared and I have been talking about lately is just looking forward to next year and thinking about how much talent there is going to be in the big 10, because I believe teams like Washington in Oregon and Jared, could you remind me of who else is potentially coming into the big 10 UCLA and USC. Uh-huh. It's going to be scary stuff. I mean, big 10 has got to be head and shoulders above every other conference in, in the nation. It's, you're yeah, uh, also, you're speaking to a future another, SEC guy right now, so uh. yeah. <laughs> another another big change. Um, I believe they are going to um, no longer have the two divisions within yep. the Big Ten, so that's going to be great because it's going to you know prevent from what ha- from what happened this year where we had a Michigan versus Iowa Big Ten championship. I mean, uh-huh. no one wants to see that, so. Um, hey, I wanted to see it. I thought that was beautiful football. <laughs> I don't think too many people would agree with that, but <laughs> in, in 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 Iowa and Michigan's defense, in the Big Ten's defense, the alternative was watching the Florida State Louisville game, and I think I think the only reason people turned into that game was because it was a little bit closer in the fourth quarter. Outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot going on on either 7 o'clock slate. No, no that's true. No. true yeah. you, got? you brought up a great transition into what I was about to say because 
this whole situation is could have been resolved just by having a eight or twelve man playoff essentially and that's why you feel bad you you can't protect everybody i don't know what mathematician what statistician came in and said okay we have five power five conferences and we need four people in the playoffs i mean i i don't know who busted those numbers up but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me hell i I think i'm a math guy but i've been proven wrong before so i i don't understand that It, it it doesn't seem to make sense to me how they decided on four spots when there's five teams out there that could win their cha- you know, the conference championship. Moving forward, you feel bad, but this will all get resolved next year. And hell, there will be home football games in the playoffs for a select few teams. That's going to be fun as fuck. The next thing I got to say is a while back, I think it was back in 2018 or 2019, this whole process started to expand the playoffs. They have been in discussions to expand the playoffs for about four years. And I am literally blaming Florida state's demise this year on what people are calling the Alliance back in the day. Are you guys familiar with the Alliance that affected the committee? Mm, No, I don't think so. Okay. So, This all started when Texas and Oklahoma decided to join the SEC. And that's big news right there. So what essentially happened was the SEC's becoming a power-hungry conference. They've been dominating. Look at the last couple winners. LSU just won the national championship. Before that, you had Alabama just crushing it. You're starting to see Georgia make a lot of noise, and we're seeing two SEC teams every year in the playoffs at this point. All right. Because of this resurgence of people coming in, there was what the committee called the alliance, which is essentially when the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 merged together to veto everything that was going on in the committee. This is in part a little bit of the reason why this whole situation of Texas getting out of the Big 12 has happened for so long. A little bit of it has to do with the negotiations that happen both in the conferences and in the committee. And people say that essentially these three schools, three conferences out of five conferences decided to veto everything. And this thing was supposed to be done for this year. But it kept getting fallout because nothing was progressing. And people say it's because there was this alliance between three of the five power five schools because of the SEC. And the only conference that wasn't doing this whole mess was the Big 12. So congratulations, Big 12, uh, you know, fans. You guys were the only ones that didn't collude to make Florida State eventually be undefeated, do everything perfect, and not make their way into the playoffs. So this is like a version of a college football conspiracy. Everybody knows about the alliance. It was a thing. Google it after I talk about it. It's not just me saying nonsense, but I know, what do they say? Causation isn't correlation or what yada yada, but we can essentially say that the Alliance is a big reason why Florida State didn't make the playoffs this year. Yep, that was me getting on uh, my bar stool and ranting a little bit like an old man, but it Look it up. It's actually fascinating stuff. It's it's too bad. This should have been done by now. It didn't. 
but uh, we're facing the consequences. But next year is going to be an amazing year for the college football playoffs. All right, guys. Did you guys watch any games in particular last weekend that you want to bring up? College football related? I would say we watched the majority of the games, or at least I did. Um, no, I mean, it's kind of what I expected outside of the Bama-Georgia game. All of the other games kind of went the way I expected. Um, Iowa held their own for a little bit there. Their defense is no joke, that's for sure, but that offense is – that is bad. That looks like the Jets out there, and it's yeah. it's tough to watch. But, no, it was, it was a good weekend. They are the most lopsided team in history. It's statistically proven. It's they have one more game to, you know, prove us wrong, but I mean, you feel bad for them a little bit cuz they're on their backup quarterback who wasn't probably expecting to play this year. But their their defense is just so good. They're playing an amazing Michigan team and they're just you know Michigan's pounding them, being physical, but honestly, Iowa did a good job keeping in the game and keeping it close and keeping it bearable for the longest time. But at some point, you have to put a point on the board, even if it's two, even if it's three. You got to see some progress. Otherwise, these guys are just going to get burnt out because I would potentially argue that Michigan is one of the most physical teams in college football this year. I know there's a couple out there that uh, we got to remember. Georgia's pretty physical. Ohio State themselves are pretty physical. But, I mean, they, they beat down on dudes. Anyway. Trev, I, I wanted to ask you quick. Um, with yeah. you being a Texas fan, how do you like their chances? <laughs> that is a great question. I hate uh, going – I overreact a lot. But Texas has a very good shot to win the national championship, and that is not at all an overreaction. I, have, I can talk all the time about Jordan Love being the guy, being the best quarterback in the world. Most of it's satire. Most of it's a joke. This is 100% not a joke. We have beaten Bama already, but they would be the only team that really scares me. Uh, Washington. Very sound opponent. They're underdogs by about only four and a half. However, I'm just going to say a couple things. New Orleans is a whole lot closer to Austin, Texas than it is Seattle, Washington. There's going to be, it's going to feel like a home environment for the Horns uh, on January 1st. And if that's not enough of a home field advantage right there, I just, I think that Oregon's a great team, but that is the closest that Washington's had to facing a defensive front like Texas has this year. They are not going to be able to run the ball against Texas. And then it's all up to how much of a hero can Penix be. Uh, he has been in hero mode before. He's a very, very solid quarterback. Hell, he's a Heisman candidate. He won't win it this year. Maybe we can talk about that in a little bit. But he's going to have to do some heroic stuff to be able to beat that Texas defense. I think Quinn Ewers has enough, and we have developed a running running game despite losing our, our you know our first running back in the depth chart. Jonathan Brooks is out. That stinks. C.J. Baxter, true freshman. This guy is a fucking animal. And then you got Jaden Blue right behind him. That's turning in at some points. Jaden Blue is one of the fastest players in college football. If you give him any room, that guy is running out of the fucking stadium. And that—that's my two cents. 
I could go on and on. I think that they are 100% a, a very possible lock to win the national championship right now. Washington's going to be tough. Alabama would be the scariest opponent out of those other three teams in the, you know, in the playoffs because they have a revenge factor to that game. Michigan's good. I think they're very physical, but there's the emotion of getting beat on your home turf, having a chance to give, get the highest possible award in college football by beating the only team that beat you. And there's going to be emotions flaring both ways, but that's a good Alabama team. And a lot of people argue that that Alabama team is way different than that team Texas faced earlier in the season. So, and Alabama's the hottest team, maybe the hottest team in the country right now. So, they probably own the biggest win in college football this year. That SEC championship game, I'm going to tell you, they played about a, as perfect of a game as you can and only won by three, but they won the ball game and they beat a very physical Georgia team, a Georgia team that doesn't have the same team they've had the last two years, but to do what you did, I mean, Jalen Milrow, he, he's a very, very quality quarterback. And I've given him a little bit of heat on past shows, but that guy is just turning into a very solid quarterback, a quarterback that Alabama might even have for the next year, you know, next two years to build upon this year. Imagine a playoff team in his first year. Well, imagine next year when they get him back and hopefully a, a lot of the team too. So that's that's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow, especially since Texas now has an ongoing yearly rivalry where we will be playing them the next two years inclusive. So we'll just see how that goes. One thing, not trying to look ahead, but since we're on the subject, I am very, very, very excited for that AM shootout to be revived. The Lone Star rivalry is reincarnated that's going to be one of the most fun things out there we're still going to have the red river rivalry over in the texas state fair against oklahoma but having that AM game that's an in-state rivalry and that one's going to get loud so that one that's one i might even look to go to if it's in austin texas next year that one would be very fun so all right boys anything else you wanted to bring up about college football i did go on a little bit of a ramble there but there's it was a fun weekend, and I just couldn't contain it. Uh, Trav, I'll give a shout-out to my boy Omari in Hampton. Um, he balled out for me this year in the college football playoffs and throughout the year. That dude was a stud, and uh, I would not be shocked to see him in the pros. <clears throat> Help me out. I, I don't know uh, if I – did I hear it wrong? Who? Where's he playing for? Omari in Hampton, he's uh, the running back for North Carolina. Oh, that is a position you don't normally talk about with this uh, Tar Heel team this year. Good, good shout out. Yeah, uh, I man, I'll have to look him up. He's somebody that went under the radar. I guess when you're in the same conference as Trey Benson over with Florida State, you might get underlooked a little bit. But hey, okay, Marion. I'm gonna have to look him up a little bit later. No, it's O Marion. O Marion. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a sophomore. He'll be coming back for his junior year. So, um, expect him to be a top pick on the draft boards next year. Now it's just a matter of if Drake may stays for another year with him. 
that could be a fun team next year if they get both those two and stay for one more year of eligibility. Never, uh, you know, it's never a sure thing if a quality quarterback like Drake May decides to stay another year just because they're getting paid a decent amount now for being studs in Chapel Hill. So, yeah. One more thing I forgot to bring up a little bit earlier, but uh, Joe, you had a, uh, a a different type of content that we're used to. You kind of brought it up before the show. You want to talk us all through that real quick? Sure. Yeah. So this is um, this is something that I saw on TikTok. Um, I think a lot of people have maybe seen this before if um, they go on TikTok but it's called blind ranking. And so how blind ranking works is I'm going to give you a person and you have to rank them one through 10 based on where you think they should be compared to the other people who fall into this certain category. And the category that I'm going to give you guys for this blind ranking is called sports goats and for anyone who doesn't know goats stands for greatest of all time so i'm going to be giving you guys 10 names one at a time and after i read the first name you have to pick where you think they belong one through ten compared to other individuals who are also the greatest of all time at their specific sport does it make sense to everyone Absolutely. All right, perfect. So the first name that I'm going to give you guys, and I'll keep track of our list here, is Tiger Woods. Wait, Joe, are we doing one list for for the three of us? I think so. I mean, I think we can probably come to a decision together based off of uh, discussions that we have. I'm going to say four right off the bat. I like that. I don't I think like – I think there's a handful of people that you're going to say that are going to be higher than that. So uh, we don't want to put him too high yet. I think four is a pretty acceptable spot because he is above most GOATs, greatest of all time players in multiple different sports. So um, I think that's a pretty safe bet, four. I like yeah, that. I like that too. But I would also like to add for – some people who, you know, agree with the claim that Tiger Woods is the GOAT. Um, if you haven't taken a look at Jack, um, Jack, Nick, Jack, Nicholas, Jack Nicholas's stats from when he played, it'd probably be uh, worth your time to go check that out because a lot of the older generation makes the claim that Jack Nicholas is the greatest golfer of all time and the numbers would suggest that to be true so get educated huh exactly yeah <laughs> all right who do you got uh, next the next name i'm going to give you is babe ruth right away i like seven okay i was going more with six he, he's not he, he's a notable name though i mean but then again, John Wall had a song about him, and you wouldn't call him a goat. But yeah. <laughs> seven, you want to go? Okay, I'm okay with eight. We're around the same area. So is that what you said? Eight? Um, I don't think I gave gave an answer. Oh. But 
Yeah, we can go. Uh, let's go. Let's settle with seven. Okay. Seven. Yep. Our next individual is Bill Belichick, the coach of the New England oh. Patriots. Okay, he is. Boy, I don't know. I don't know who else is out there, but he's not. There's a lot of other coaches out there throughout history. Yes, he's won a lot of titles, but. And you got to think, even, what is what is Bill Belichick without Tom Brady? Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, he's tanking. He's you could say that he's having a very good season at tanking, but uh, at football performance, which is technically his job. I don't know. We hadn't seen much since. I might even go like eight. I like it. Yeah, I think it. I think eight or nine, honestly. Um, yeah, even nine, Trev. Even nine, because we got who's that? We got um, Babe Ruth at seven. I would honestly be okay bumping him down to eight too. Babe, oh, aren't we supposed to do it blind though? Aren't we not supposed to change? Yeah, it? yeah, true. Yeah, true. Okay, I say eight because let's just be careful because Belichick does have a shit ton of trophies so can't take that away from him okay i like it um let's see our next name on this list is usain bolt oh actually we got a three maybe are we on the same wavelength see and this is what joe and i talked about is i the way i rank it is like top tier sports where you have to do it year in, year out, and it's every single year. Yes, Usain Bolt does races, and he he wins all the time, or he did. But on the big stage where a lot of people are watching is only once out of four years. So I value that a little bit lower. He is a GOAT, obviously. That's why he's on the list. But like someone that played in one of the the big sports like baseball, football, basketball, hockey, even golf, like – I value that a little higher. I don't think we should go below five. I mean, he is, is he still the fastest man in the world, technically, in the history books? Probably. Yeah, I think he is. I mean, if you knew he was on even a team, you just knew he was going to get the job done and win. He was incredible. It maybe put him right below Tiger Woods, who Joe's already making an argument isn't even the best golfer. So... I know that's five. I would say I would say three or five is where you got to put them. Let's go five, just because Michael Phelps is probably on this list somewhere. Who I would argue, who Joey Chestnut, but my okay. Let's go ahead. What's the next? <laughs> let's go five. Yeah, lots of good athletes on this list. Um, we'll go Usain Bolt at five. So we've got um, yeah six more guys on this list, and the next gentleman is LeBron James. Uh, I'd like to hear uh, I'd like to hear your answer Trav before before Jared cuz I know he feels very strong. He's not him. number 1, Jared. Michael Phelps is probably on this list and he's number 1 if Joey Chestnut isn't on this list. So I would go to Oh no, but Mike Michael Jordan's probably on the list too. Um I I think I'm an MJ guy, Jared. I yeah. I'm thinking through two. I'm just going to take a wild bet that MJ is not on this list. So let's go two. That's exactly where I would have put him. Um, even if MJ is on the list, I mean, the numbers don't lie on top of what he's doing right now. 
It's insane. Um, we've never seen longevity like this before. So, I mean, I, he's got to be in the two, one or two for me. I'm fine with the two. All right. Who you got next, Joe? I like it. We're putting LeBron at the two. And the next individual is Simone Biles. Oh, three. She's she's very awarded. She's decorated. Oh, you want to go? You want to push her down? Okay, no low, no lower than six though. She did. She's a gymnast, a high highly qualified gymnast. Yeah, but you got to think if Tom Brady and Michael Phelps and you know yeah. those guys are on there, it's they kind of got to go over her. So are we going? She's not ten, dude. We got nine <laughs> and six available. So are we going nine? And just assuming we might see a bunch of Olympians pop up pretty quick. I think we're going to see some big names here. So, All right. I, I'm okay with that. Right behind Belichick. Let's go nine. I like that as well. Um, and the next uh, the next name is Mr. Tom Thomas Brady. Three. Three. I'm okay with that. It's either one or three. Yeah, Jared and I had this conversation um, when we briefly looked at this list. I think he wanted to put Tom Brady at the at the one slot just because of how how popular football is. But that led to an argument that we don't need to get into. Here, here's part of where my whole criteria goes to. There's a lot of. It's not even just a sport. It's just a matter of how much more dominant were they than the next guy. And in my mind. I think football is one of the – you have to be extremely athletic. It's one of the most academic – or my bad, athletically required sports. However, how much more dominant was he than an Aaron Rodgers? You know, or uh, if we go back in the day, like uh, Young, Steve Young maybe was probably yeah. up there as well. Maybe some people would try to argue Dan Marino. I think the gap's a little bit less than we'll see in – Michael Phelps when he pops up. So I wouldn't put him at the one spot. Okay, Trav, one thing I would add, and I don't I don't mind putting him at three. It's just he has more Super Bowl wins than any other franchise. He <laughs> is the leader of Super Bowls than any other franchise, which that pretty much separates yourself from just about everyone, which I'm okay with that three. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'm going to stick with three for my list. We can just put like an asterisk. For one, for you, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three's good. Yeah, I like three. Um, next up is your boy, Travis, Michael Jordan. Oh, oh, man. So here's where my mind goes. Michael would be one with this list if Michael Phelps isn't on the list. If Michael Phelps ends up being on the list, the list is going to be wrong. However, I can't, knowing what's left with only two spots after this left, I think he can't drop to six. So I got to put MJ at one with where we've gone with this. Otherwise, I'm, it's just going to be wrong if Phelps goes in, but that's the best I can give with this particular answer right now. Jared, what do you think? I mean, you know my thoughts on that. I MJ, in my mind, isn't the GOAT. Um, so he would have to go below LeBron. So but he'd have to go to six to, for you then. 
ideally right behind him, but you know that spot isn't open. So yeah. Hmm. I mean, when you I... think about, I guess MJ compared to a guy like Tiger Woods or Usain Bolt, like, I mean, uh, golf and running the sports that Tiger Woods and Usain Bolt played. I mean, those are worldwide sports and just the impact that they had I mean across the the entire world I know obviously Michael Jordan was was huge too but I don't know Tiger Can Woods and both Usain Bolt did it for so long where Michael Jordan kind of had a you know six to to eight year prime where Usain Bolt was doing it for three or four different Olympics which was 12 to 16 years it's MJ was just so incredibly impactful. Some people can make a pretty valid argument that MJ is the reason basketball is so big. Like he was the reason it started becoming a, a culture why people would buy jerseys and just go hang out at the basketball parks with their newest sneakers. You know, uh, that it, it became cool. It became fashionable. He was the start of that revolution. So that is pretty that's a pretty big goat uh, trait, in my opinion. Yeah, I put MJ yeah, he... at one because I can't drop MJ to six. I'm just going to have to face the consequences with Michael Phelps possibly popping up. Yeah. Yep. All right, we locked MJ into the one slot. And, yep. Trav, I hate to break it to you. The very Phelps next is, name yeah. Yeah. is Michael Phelps. Yeah, um, see, that's why I would have held off. I mean, I – I was just taking a risk. I couldn't drop MJ to six. So Phelps would be six and we're just going to have to say we are wrong <laughs> because I've, I've said it on this pod before. Michael Phelps is the greatest of all time for all sports, unless you include food eating, which Joey Chestnut is far superior to the next guy. In, and nobody's even remotely come close to Joey Chestnut. So Joey Chestnut is an asterisk at number one with the second greatest of all time. Or the first, if you don't include fooding, would be Michael Phelps. So that's my two cents. Who's going to be number 10 for us, Joe? Number 10 is going to be a guy that probably none of us know a ton about their career, but it's Muhammad Ali. Ooh. Yeah, so we were right with so – I think we were good 9, 8, 7 being uh, the – Basically, if we were to drop Babe Ruth down to eight, Belichick to nine, and Biles to ten, we would have been pretty good at the lower spot except for uh, – God, who was that last one again? Muhammad Ali. Yeah, he, he, won, he would have been middle tier, but he wouldn't have been ten. So Overall, we didn't do terrible. We organized majority of them pretty good. It's just Phelps was a horrible number six pick. Muhammad Ali yeah, it's tough. Much higher, so yeah, it's tough, especially doing a blind ranking with 10, 10, uh, 10 names. Um, getting a perfect list is is damn near impossible. Oh yeah, no, I not bad though. I think that it overall makes fairly good sense. Some people could put an argument if they don't basically prioritize swimming in a, a goat race so it, it might make it might make sense to people that absolutely hate swimming and are anti muhammad ali so mm -hmm. not a bad <laughs> list yeah, not bad yeah not bad 
All right. Hey, anything else you guys wanted to bring up while you're on the show? Um, I don't think so. I mean, the, I don't know, the next time, or hopefully there's a next time I'm on this show, and, and hopefully when I come back on, we're in the in the middle of the disc golf season. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, at the moment, the, you know, the disc golf pro tour is um, in the off season, um, and then, you know, a lot of courses around around the cities, their baskets have been taken down, so there's really not a whole lot of disc golf going on at the moment, but I know that's something you wanted to um, talk about on the podcast at some point. Absolutely. We got so sidetracked with all our other stuff. It, it happens every time, I swear, Joe. You come out with a, a set of topics you want to discuss and things just keep popping around. Guys, we have a subject matter expert on this week. We have Joe McKibben, amateur professional. Is that what they're saying? Amateur professional disc golfer? Sure. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about it. You were going around and you were doing a couple tours over this past, or, or you at least went to a couple of the meets around the city. How did those go? Well, yeah, I went and spectated a few um, professional tournaments, which is always a lot of fun. Seeing the pros play in person, watching them throw 600, 700 feet is always just mind-blowing. Um Played in a couple couple local tournaments, which didn't go too well, um, but it's just a lot of fun. I mean, you get into uh, a tournament setting, and you know every stroke counts, and there's pressure on each putt. It's it's a feeling that you know I really miss being re- a retired, you know, kind of a retired athlete, at least from the game of the game of baseball um, competitively. But yeah, no, I still love playing disc golf um and i'm definitely going to keep grinding playing a lot more tournaments next year and yeah we got to get out together and play trav as well i know once uh once the spring hits i'll probably go out and do a couple holes i always like going to bryant lake to be honest full disclosure don't lock me up but i usually would just sneak in and not pay for it because nobody's really checking anyways beautiful course though all these one all these disc golf courses around the area the nice ones at least are all pay for play because there's some very well kept up courses and bryant lake is the one very close to me that is mm-hmm. pretty high quality but I, I like going to them every once in a while. It's a, it's a fun thing to do, especially when you can just wear shorts and a t-shirt right after work. Just enjoy something while the sun's out. It, it, there's nothing like it. it. And in my opinion, I like it way better than golf because the, the price of golf is very expensive. And the pleasure I get doing both of them are about the same. And one of them can be free. So no offense, Jared. I know you're a big golfer. No, I, I've been getting, Joe's been getting me into the, the disc golf world. Um, actually, yeah, I had my first ace this year. No way. Yeah, it was a nasty throw, a little, uh, not sure of the terminology, but yeah, it was a short hole, short hole, obviously, but yeah, got my first ace and, you know, obviously I'm more of a golf guy, ball golf, as Joe would say, but, uh, you know, disc golf is, is trending. hey so joe what's going on in the show the professional tour they got these things over you know if you guys are interested in it if you go on youtube if you look up joe mez productions they basically air all the holes and my favorite guy because he has a cool name is ricky wysocki 
Uh, and also, who's that dude? Who's that guy? Eagle McMahon. Great name mm-hmm. as well. Great name, yeah. Eagle McMahon. He loves to roll the like the frisbee a little bit. I probably am saying it like I'm an amateur because I probably am, but I love it when they do those rollers down the hill and it just the disc never stops fucking going. It's it's just the most okay. appealing thing in the world sometimes. Uh, what's going on on the tour, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised to hear you say you like um, you know, you're a fan of that Ricky Wysocki dude. Cause I kind of think he's a bit of a snake, but um... <laughs> hey, what's going on? The people don't know. Get us up to speed. No, no, no. It's biased. Everything he says is biased. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. You got to respect Ricky Wysocki. He's been the best player in the world um, for really two of the last three years. Um, and I think he's just, he's got a lot of arrogance, you know, coming out of uh, out of his mouth. And he doesn't, he won't admit it to himself that he's not the greatest player of all time because it's, it's clearly, clearly Paul Macbeth. Um, so that just kind of gets me fired up a little bit when he always acts very sour towards Paul Macbeth because Paul has dominated him his whole career. And, um, you know, Ricky just can't accept that. Um, but anyway, as far as what's going on in the professional scene at the moment, um, I guess for anyone who doesn't know, the Disc Golf Pro Tour kind of operates the same way as the, the PGA Tour for, for traditional golf. I mean, they travel around the country playing three or four round tournaments each weekend, um, but that won't start until until February of next year. Um but disc golf sure is sure is growing. I mean, there were a few tournaments last year where players took home fifty thousand dollars. I think um, players are signing million dollar per year contracts with sponsors. Um, so there's really a lot of a lot of money in the sports, um, and it's really trending in a in an awesome direction. Yeah, and, and you're not over exaggerating either, because there's a lot of people, including myself, that tried it out over COVID, because there was only a couple things you could do for a little while. And I'm just gonna say it: being in the house all day is the most unhealthy thing you can do. So, what did people want to do? They they wanted to do something, but going outside just for a walk isn't enough sometimes. So, one of the things you could easily do over COVID: grab a disc almost very little entry fee to start it. It's like $11 to get one. It's like 30 bucks to get a pack, like a starter kit. Mm-hmm. And all you do is you go whip it around, try it. And after a little while, you're like, oh yeah, I, I'm figuring out how to actually throw this disc. And once you figure out how to throw it, it's like, what, you know, can I buy more discs? Can I find more courses? This is interesting. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it really has been growing. And then people, sure. when they get interested in the hobby, they're like, oh, what are the professionals doing? Is there a scene? And then you find out about Joe Metz, which I will admit, for a little while, I was watching that almost every single show or every single uh, tour that they traveled to. For a little while, I think it was like a span of about a year, I watched just about every Joe Metz that came out just out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's so great about disc golf is, I mean, there's, I could go on and on, but what's great is that you can play a full nine or 18 hole round in an hour, hour and a half, depending on the course. And I mean, you can download an app called, called UDisc where it lets you see every course in the twin cities. And it's going to really surprise you how many there are, because there's hundreds of them just around the twin cities. And a lot of them are 
you know, there's different courses for different skill levels. You can go out and find a, a nine hole course that's pretty open, um, pretty short holes and courses like that. There's probably going to be nobody there. Um, you'll be able to go play around for, for free and get it done in an hour or less. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to get out there again next year. Yeah. Hey, you know, we'll, uh, we'll start getting a little bit of a tan and we'll be outside and getting some vitamin D. It will be a good time. Heck yeah. yeah I'm excited yeah. for that too. It, it should be good though. Hopefully we get you over to do, is there much for these amateur professional disc golf things? Is there much of a, of a visitor scene? Do people really watch it or is it just, they kind of just have people run around? No, I mean, there's there's typically not any any spectators or any or anything out there, but some players will will bring uh, will bring a caddy um, to carry their bag, which, which I've done in the past. Shout out to my girlfriend who's carried uh, carried the bag and given me some uh, some insight out on the course, helping me you know pick what shot shapes and stuff like that. So it's always fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Shoot. My bad. I, I was thinking I was going to bring that up early on and things just go fast on the show. I told you before we started out, I, I had to make sure I try to write something down if we need a topic to go through because rambles happen. Uh, questions come out of other questions and things move yep. fast on the show, but absolutely. One other thing, Trav, um, just, just wanted to make sure. So before, before the show, I, reminded you about my Europe trip. Um, and then you said you've already got a bunch of questions in mind that you wanted to ask. And was that something you were planning on asking on the show or? Yep. I'll ask it right now, my man. First of all, yep. You just went on a big trip to Europe, Joe. You want to tell us all about it? Where did you go? What did you see? Yeah. Yeah, it was a huge trip. Um, landed in Zurich, Switzerland on the 26th, sorry, 27th of October. Um, spent four nights total in the country of Switzerland. Um, we had a rental car, which was super convenient. So then we drove um, about five hours southeast into northern Italy, um, into the town called Cortina de Ampezzo, which is where the Winter Olympics are actually going to be in 2026. Um, so yeah, two or three nights in Italy and then drove it up to Salzburg in Austria, did a couple day trips from that town, um, just to some different mountain villages. Um, so two nights in Austria and then up to Munich in Germany for one night, um, where we did a lot of really cool sightseeing, saw a lot of awesome history and then headed back to Zurich to fly home on the 6th of November. So it's about a 10 day trip and we stayed busy and saw a lot. Dude, how was it driving on the left side of the road? Well, luckily, <laughs> for, us, luckily for us, actually in all of, in all of mainland Europe, they drive on the right. So it's only in the U in the United Kingdom oh. that they drive on the left. <laughs> I'm uneducated, Joe. I honestly, I'm going to, I don't think that I'd ever get a rental car at a, a foreign area. I think I'd be scared as shit. And plus, I guess everybody kind of uses buses and trains, but I think I'd be kind of scared to ride around and drive oh, in unforeseen areas like Europe. Oh, I was scared, especially getting off the plane. Um, 
I had gotten no sleep. I'd been up for like 36 hours straight and uh, we get in the rental car. None of the signs are in English. The roads are super narrow. People are driving hundred miles an hour. Like it was stressful. Um, but we made it and it was actually kind of a miracle that nothing went wrong. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. It's a, it's a pretty long trip too. Uh, you, that's uh that sounds like a good time, but man, did you stay in any like hostels or anything? We stayed in uh, hotels um, and actually had some really nice, some really nice hotels. Um, and luckily the time of the year that we went kind of late October, early November, it's the tourist season is, has kind of ended. So a lot of different hotels had lowered their prices, which was great. We were able to spend 10 nights in a hotel for, for pretty cheap. We thought, um, but it was a lot of driving. Um, we probably spent, I mean, at least, at least 12 to, to 16 hours, um, driving, but it was worth it. I mean, a trip like that's once in a lifetime. So oh, yeah. we had to see as, as much, um, as we possibly could in that amount of time. And yeah, just something about the Alps is just, special. yeah. Was it pretty chilly yet? Um, luckily, we, uh, yeah, we lucked out with the weather. Most days it was close to around 50 degrees for a high, hmm. um, had a few rainouts, um, but overall it was, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Do you have like a favorite part or favorite thing to see while you're out there? For sure. My favorite, favorite city was uh Lauterbrunnen in uh, Switzerland Oh. and uh, I don't think it might not be possible for me to see better views than I did in that town. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You've got 2000 foot cliffs on the, on each side of this small little village. And then above those cliffs, you've got three or four different peaks, each towering of above, you know, 13, 14,000 feet. And I mean, I'll have to show you some pictures because oh, yeah. it's, it's mind blowing. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to go paragliding, um, which ended oh. up getting that ended up getting canceled um, due to wind, which I was devastated about. Um, so that'll be that'll be for next time because I'll definitely be going back there someday. How high would they have you going when you're paragliding? Do you know? Um, Probably, uh, I mean, I think only a few thousand feet or a couple thousand <gasps> feet underground, but... Bro, what do you mean only a couple thousand? <laughs> what? Thousand feet? Yeah, yeah, it would have oh, been, man. it would have been scary. Um, but I don't know, I love stuff like that. Oh, it'd give you a thrill. That'd be incredible sight, but I would, honestly, I think I'd be cold around this time of the year and also... I'm not afraid of heights generally anymore. I, I think I'm, I don't think it's heights, but man, just the fact of being up that high and feeling like there's nothing really keeping you up. You're just so vulnerable up there. That would be frightening, at least for me. But like I can, I can, people do that stuff all the time. It's, it's a thrill seeking activity. Yeah. I'm kind of a weirdo. I like heights, um, but I don't know. I'd recommend to anyone if you do get a chance to go take a trip, I mean, anywhere in Switzerland 
in northern Italy, I mean, the good views aren't aren't hard, aren't hard to find. I mean, every corner you go around, it's just dro- jaw dropping looking up at the Alps. So, uh-huh. highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm a I might be more of a Greece guy. Hang out by the water, get a little bit of the history, see mm. some cool little shops, and just oh man, nice weather too. But no, I mean. I was just over, this doesn't even remotely compete, but it was kind of nice to see some mountains for once when I went over to Denver or the Boulder area for the football game, see Dion and watch that team. And it was just, it was something we don't see over here. We're up pretty north, but we're not even remotely close to mountains. So I can't even imagine what the, the Swiss Alps were able to give you. So yeah, I'll have to see some of those pictures, Joe. Absolutely. All right, guys. Anything else while I got you on the on the line? No, it was just uh, it was awesome for you to invite us on here, Trav. We had some good good conversations. Absolutely, we appreciate you guys coming on. And guys, we should be back here in another week, and we'll do a little bit of previews of the bowls. We're running out of time in the season, so the amount of episodes are going to start slowing down here real quick, but. We're happy to we're happy to give you the content this week, and I'm very happy to have Joe and Jared on. For all of you that uh, actually have a team playing this next week, now that college football's winding down, but the NFL's staying on. I I hope they win. If you put in any bets this next week or throughout the weekend, I hope they hit. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for staying on. Have a good week.